Good morning, top of the morning, uh, wherever you are tuning in from. Welcome to another episode of Block Hash Exploring the Blockchain, episode 312. Uh, let's jump right into it today, talking about the news. Coinbase Base, as of last week, uh, was officially launched. I'll pull up this article for you so you can read it with me. Here we go. Um, so, yeah, Coinbase launched its own layer two network called Base. I believe, yeah, on top of the Ethereum network to help with scaling. So let's read a little bit more about it. The cryptocurrency exchange Coinbase announced in a blog post February 23rd, the launch of Base. Base is Coinbase's Ethereum Layer 2 L2 network offering a low-cost, secure, and developer-friendly network for building decentralized applications on the blockchain. Base uses Optimum's OP stack. Coinbase says its goal with Base is to make on-chain the next online and onboard billions of users into the crypto space. The Layer 2 networks help to make transactions faster and cheaper than the blockchain underlying it. In this case, the Ethereum blockchain works by processing bundles of transactions on a separate chain. It then sends receipts back to the mainnet according to Coinbase. Base will be a roll-up agnostic super chain powered by Optimism. So for those that don't understand what a Layer 2 is, essentially there are... Um, blockchains out there like bitcoin like ethereum like uh, solana cardano yada 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 Polkadot, and a lot of them have issues with scalability they have issues with transaction throughput um with gas fees you know a whole list of um you know symptoms that have cropped up over the years with uh the way we look at and build blockchains and one of the more popular solutions for them, it's kind of like a patchwork type fix, is they create these layers on top of the base layer protocol that allow for these things to happen. So layer twos generally allow for either some type of sharding or to package up transactions in a very specific way and then to put them on the blockchain at a future date and time. Um, like there's a lot of ways that they go about doing this to help you know, fix this problem. So base is Coinbase's layer two solution that is at the moment for Ethereum, but because it's agnostic, it could be used on other blockchains as well. And I imagine it will be. Now, will it be able to onboard billions of users into the ecosystem? Maybe. I don't know if Coinbase has that reach or that influence, but it is possible. So it's something to keep in mind and something to keep an eye out for. Interesting development something very positive to start off 2023 with going into March here, which is going to be a very important month. So we'll see how that pans out. 
SB, SBF is now charged with more charges um, in relation to what's going on with FTX. Um, so in a new indictment, this document calls on the former FTX CEO to forfeit hundreds of millions of dollars worth of assets, which may in many cases have already been seized by the U.S. government. Um, but there's new charges in particular, which I'm going to cover. So let's read this. U.S. officials are now charging the overtime, the one-time crypto wonderkind with bank fraud and operating an unlicensed money transmitter, in addition to the eight counts he already faced. Bankman Fried also faces a modified campaign finance law charge, which is very interesting. Um, and I'm glad that they added that. Conspiracy to make unlawful political contributions. It, let's talk about that for a second. So the political contributions are off the charts. You know, he's made some donations both left and right in the U.S., to the Republican Party, to the Democratic Party, but overwhelmingly progressive and liberal to the Democratic Party. And where these funds have came from is very um, curious, to say the least. And I think it's worth looking into. I don't know if all these are legal political donations or not. But he's poured a lot of money into these um, parties, into these politicians, whether it's the midterms, past presidential election, uh, future presidential election coming up. And then the origin of those funds is also of great concern, given the fact a lot of them have came from Ukraine. And a lot of that money that went to Ukraine came from the U.S. government, from taxpayers as aid, like tune of like half a trillion dollars or something crazy like that. Um, and there's a lot of politicians that have had to step down in Ukraine that were, you know, getting charged as well that could potentially go to jail for what they were doing with some of those funds. So there's a lot of question marks surrounding SBF and what has happened. And I don't know how this is going to play out in court, um, but it's I'm glad that there's those charges are being added as well as the um, charges of bank fraud. I wasn't sure if he actually you know, committed any kind of bank fraud, wire fraud. He wasn't licensed as a money transmitter, but um, I guess FTX didn't have all that in particular in the U.S. at least. So we'll see how that pans out. It's been very interesting. Moving on. Janet Yellen is, well, hold on. Let me pull it up. Constantly in the situation where I have to go bounce around on all these tabs just to find people. Where are you, Janet? All right. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen is calling for a strong regulatory framework. It's nothing new of crypto activities. Uh, the United States Treasury Secretary stressed the importance of implementing a strong regulatory framework for cryptocurrencies during a G20 meeting. I think most of the G20 agree on that. And it's you know, something they're pushing for already. So nothing new here, but just to kind of emphasize what she's saying, because uh, it's not entirely negative either. Yellen said it was critical to put in place a strong regulatory framework. She also noted that the United States is not suggesting an outright banning of crypto activities. Yellen's remarks follow earlier ones from the International Monetary Fund, the IMF, managing director Kristalina Georgieva, stating that banning crypto should be an option. Um, however, in the first G20 finance ministers and central bank governors meeting under India's presidency, Address key financial stability and regulatory uh, priorities, Cointelegraph reported. The country's finance minister, 
called for a coordinated global policy to address the macro financial implications of crypto assets. So essentially what they're doing at the, at the G20 is they're trying to figure out how to regulate crypto on a global scale, how to come up with some kind of framework that all the countries can agree with. Um, because one of the biggest issues is that we could classify it in one way in the United States, and then Europe could classify it in a completely different manner. India could classify it differently than Brazil, than China, than Russia, uh, you know, assuming we're all playing nice and fairly with each other. And that can be problematic when you're trading in a global market and crypto is a global market. Um, so that's, that's kind of what they're trying to figure out. And while there are some proponents that want to just get rid of it completely, uh, Janet Yellen's not really calling for it. I think she knows at this point that market's so big, crypto, this market, uh, that trying to disrupt it like that and get rid of it will be more detrimental than it will be helpful in their eyes. And they already have CBDCs coming out through most major central banks. And I think that's going to be their primary focus, um, you know, going into the next couple of years. I don't think that they think it's going to bat against traditional cryptocurrencies in any kind of major way, uh, which is interesting that they have that thought process. I mean, everyone's a little bit different. Different leaders have different opinions. So we'll kind of see how that plays out in the near future. But it's it's good to see the support as well. I do think that we're going to see more uh, political leaders, financial leaders step up and say that, you know, it's not negative to have cryptocurrency in our economy, to have it affect uh, traditional finance in this kind of way, kind of pushes the envelope a little bit in terms of uh, revolutionizing money. Moving on to uh, something kind of funny, uh, not funny, but also funny, if I can find it here. Here we go. A dude here in Massachusetts uh, had a secret crypto mining farm under a school, literally underneath the school, and hid operational costs and electricity costs, uh, adding up to like $17,000, $18,000. Look at these photos. This is crazy. Right under the school, he built a whole mining operation. I'm curious how much money he made before he got caught. Um, anyways, the culprit, 39-year-old uh, Nadim, was charged by the town of Cohasset. Cohasset. I like how it says asset in the, the city name. Uh, Cohasset, Massachusetts, with fraudulent use of electricity and vandalizing a school. He was charged following investigations that led town officials to a hidden cryptocurrency mine that was set up in a secluded crawl space next to a coasset school boiler room. Why did he set up in the boiler room? 11 pieces of mining equipment as well as a ventilation system to ensure the mining equipment would not overheat. It's very elaborate, very well done. He's got the igloo. Uh, little freezer boxes. Cryptocurrency mining can be performed using everyday computing resources or larger. We all know that. Um, yeah, he was using ASICs. He's probably pumping out some crypto. I have no idea how much he made. Again, uh, the supplies that he was using ranged from a usage of 1,200 to upwards of 2,600 watts or more per miner, which is about accurate. I've done it before and uh, they run. are 
absolutely desperate here in in the recession. They will do anything, even in crypto, <laughs> uh, with crypto mining to to cut back on expenses to kind of make it possible. And, you know, I thought it was kind of funny. I mean, it's not funny for the school. It's not funny for the town. I mean, that's a lot of money, but at the same time. It's kind of creative that someone was able to do that. And you think about how loud crypto miners are. And again, I've, I've ran ASICs. They're very loud and they generate a lot of heat, so much heat. They used to trip my breakers in my warehouse and I had a massive warehouse um, and I had a whole professional industrial HVAC system uh, designed and implemented and all the electricity outlets were well spaced out. Everything was was done to the T as perfectly as you could do it. And the, the money miners still ran hot and they still flipped the breakers and they still just caused absolute havoc with all that space. So it's crazy. He was able to do it underneath a school and no one could hear it for that long. And, you know, they didn't, you know, catch it. I mean, the school would have gotten pretty warm too. Absolutely insane. All right. Next piece of news is Japan getting into the metaverse. Fujitsu and Mitsubishi look to create Japanese metaverse economic zone. A group of large Japanese companies, including Mitsubishi, Fujitsu, and banking giant Mizu, Mizuho, Mizuho <laughs> agreed to work together to create a metaverse economic zone for the country with the aim of building open metaverse infrastructure. The group will be guided by the aim of former Square NX executive and JP Games CEO ha Hajimi Tabata to update Japan through the power of games, according to a release. Companies that sign the agreement will integrate their technologies and services, including gamification and fintech, to build the technical infrastructure. It is currently called Ryugukoku. I, I can't pronounce these names. I apologize. The new social infrastructure will be used for information dissemination, marketing, and work style reform for domestic enterprises. The reference, the release said, users will be able to engage in an RPG-like experience as they travel through different realms. The service could also be extended beyond Japan to other jurisdictions and governments. Okay, very interesting. Uh, Mizuho will provide infrastructure for metaverse coins. Mitsubishi will give it capacity for Web3 type metaverse financial functions. And Sampo Japan Insurance will work on insurance and risk policy development for the Web3 era. Um, so, okay, that's cool. So I think what they're you know kind of doing in a nutshell is creating this open world, this metaverse, this um, MMO RPG, you know, type of experience where you can have developments and you can have collaboration between businesses, between individuals. And, you know, there might be some tax benefits to doing it in this metaverse. There might be um, jurisdictional benefits, visa benefits. I have no idea what that's going to pan out to be, but it's interesting. I haven't seen something quite like that elsewhere in the world. I might've seen something in Saudi Arabia at some point, but I, mean, I think this is the first metaverse like zone, like economic type of zone. Um, so it's cool to see Japan working on something like that, kind of pushing the envelope a little bit further in terms of how they can implement the metaverse. And um, I don't know, maybe some really cool innovation will come out of it. Maybe it'll 
spur a lot of that kind of stuff. I'm more curious about like the tax incentive of it. Like, will they allow foreign companies to build in this metaverse? Is this exclusively for residents of Japan? I think that'll be interesting to see play out. All right. Last piece is emojis. We didn't know this, but apparently if you use the wrong emojis, you could be on the hook for financial advice in a bad way. Let's read this article. So last week, a U.S. district court in southern New York passed a ruling stating that flaming rockets, chart stocks, and money bag emojis implicitly amount to financial advice. Go figure. Uh, the verdict on the 22nd of February was presided by D District Judge Victor Marrero. Sorry, it, it's hard for me to see this because the computer's like kind of away from me. So I apologize if I'm reading this a little too slowly. Um, anyways, the judge uh, is... Okay, it is a case between the digital NFTs platform oh, Dapper Labs and plaintiffs Gary Lewis and John Austin over the determination of securities. The plaintiffs accused Dapper Labs of unauthorized selling of its 2022 NBA Top Shot NFT collections without recourse to propel a to proper registration as stipulated in sections 5 and 12 of the Securities Act of 1933 Pointing to tweets by the platform's official Twitter account, Judge Victor based his 64-page ruling on the premise that the NFT platform had implicitly informed users of a possible financial profit using all three emojis, even without the literal mention of the word profit. That's crazy. It's crazy to think that not only do you have to watch what you say these days, but you have to watch what emojis you use. That's insane. I, I mean, if you're... SpaceX and you use the rocket emoji, is that going to be interpreted as giving financial advice? If you're Grant Cardone, you're talking about money habits and you post a money bag, is, is that financial advice? If you're, um, I don't know, the only one that potentially is the stock chart one, but even that, it's, it's like, it's too vague. And then they take say, oh, well, if you use all these emojis together, that inherently means that you're giving financial advice. I don't, I don't know. I think we make it pretty clear these days. I don't know how many YouTube videos I have watched, including my own, <laughs> where people very explicitly say, this is not financial advice. I'm not advising you on how to make money. I'm not telling you what to buy. I'm not guaranteeing you any kind of profit or any kind of future outcome. Um, I think that's, you know, an individual problem where we expect that, where you watch a podcast or a TV show or you listen to your favorite influencer and you're learning about this stuff and you make an investment and you fuck it up and then you want to blame somebody else. It's the whole issue with financial advice. I think people should be able to give at least general advice financially, um, but people take it too personally and then they make bad decisions and they want to blame whoever they, they, they learned from, but they applied everything improperly. So it, it's stupid just in general. But to now include emojis and say that if you post a rocket ship, a money bag, and a stock chart emoji that you're giving financial advice and you legally could be liable just for posting emojis. It's it's crazy. 
Anyways, that's the world we live in. It is insane. Uh, that's today's episode. Hope you guys learned a bit about what's happening in the crypto, crazy crypto market these days. And uh, I'll see you, see you guys again tomorrow. We have an awesome episode coming up with uh, one of the co-founders of Samlier. And we have an episode coming up on Wednesday with the CTO of Concordium. So some great episodes this week. And then we'll be back here covering some more wonderful crypto news on probably Thursday. So take care, guys. Stay safe out there. Make smart investments. Make smart decisions. See you all soon. Peace. Ciao.